had a student who was nearsighted and not, I think she was like a minus two or something. It wasn't like super high level, but it was enough to affect her life. She had worn glasses all her life since she was seven years old, I think, or second grade or something like that. And that was probably seven years old, yeah. And so she did my program. She was in her 60s when she did my program and she wore progressive glasses at that point. And she hasn't been wearing glasses ever since she did the program. So she was able to first stop wearing glasses for any near vision tasks and then eventually also for, for far vision. And she doesn't need them for driving anymore. And for driving, you need to get a clean driver's license. You need to pass the test. So that's an example. Um, she's also very holistically oriented. We didn't talk about earlier, like, but sleep, good nutrition, all these things make a, make a difference, especially when you get older. Do you find yourself with worsening vision year after year? Do you struggle with blurry vision, astigmatism, or light sensitivity? Today's guest, Claudia Mullenweg, is an amazing holistic vision coach who has helped thousands of clients ditch their contacts and glasses using her clear vision method based on neuroscience. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health. This is a podcast that is dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. This is an enlightening conversation in which Claudia shares how she improved her own vision using the Bates Method and gives many insightful tips on how you can as well. If you want better vision and want a clear plan about how to get your vision back in focus, don't miss this episode. So welcome, Claudia, to the podcast today. So glad to have you, and thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, let's talk first about what inspired you to become a holistic vision coach. Well, you might guess that I had problems with my eyesight. In fact, I got my first pair of glasses at the tender age of three years old. Uh, I was farsighted. For those of you that don't know that, I couldn't see the near point well. So I had to, I basically had to wear them all the time. And I also had fusion problems. My right eye was going in. It's called a convergent squint. And it really, the glasses really made me miserable because I was teased and bullied in school. And who, like no kids like to wear glasses. And I'm a little older. I'm in my 60s. So when I was little, like no other kid wore glasses. There was one kid, he was like the professor, the smart one. And I really wasn't the smart. I had to study a lot. And long story short, I was really determined. Once I got a little older into my teenage years, I was determined to get rid of them because they really, yeah, I, I didn't, I was teased, bullied. And I did get rid of them. And I can share more later what I did. I discovered this method, the Bates method, and I got myself out of glasses and my life changed in amazing ways. Then in my 30s, I was in a really stressful marriage and in divorce, became a single mom. I was back in glasses. So, and then I was like, I just turned 40 and I thought like, okay, well, now you're in your 40s. There's nothing you can do. And I had this one epiphany, this one moment that really changed my trajectory to become a vision teacher. I was like, I remember having my glasses on. I got home from a party. I tried to have fun, you know, meet new people. I was single now. And uh, I got lost on the way home. I was super stressed. And I arrived in my driveway and I took my glasses off. And my vision was so bad, you know, worse than before I put them on. So I thought like, that just, that just doesn't feel right. Like, and I found that book again that I had back in the day that I bought in the 70s and found a teacher. And I got, eventually it took me a little bit longer that time, but I got rid of my glasses for the second time. And it really made me determined to, to spread the knowledge of this because it's so... It makes such a difference in your life if you have the freedom to to function without crutches, as I call them. Yes, and and you know we know that well. There's a lot of good 
pearls in there, Claudia. I, I would say for our listeners too, I mean, we know that, you know, there are definitely different roles, you know, appropriate roles for, for eye doctors, for optometrists. You know, I, I, I think what I've found is that when you go to, to an eye doctor, it's not like there's a, a clear path towards removing the glasses. Like you just said, you, you've done that twice in your life. You've done that once in your teenage years and once in your forties. So it, it sounds like there's uh, there's some method that, you know, essentially systematically you've been able to teach people as well. You've been able to experience it yourself, but then also teach people. So I think uh, let's talk about the Bates method first. Um, what is the Bates method? And was that what you used for both of your times that you've successfully removed the glasses or? Yeah. I, I mean, so Dr. Bates, Dr. William Bates was an ophthalmologist who uh, was born in 1860 and he passed away in 1931. And so he, he was a, pro, a professor at Columbia University, you know, and he was a researcher too. And he got interested and when he noticed that his patients, some of his patients improved their eyesight and he was like, hold on, like I didn't learn that in ophthalmology school. I thought it could just get worse. So he was the kind of person like, hold on, like that makes me interested. And then he became researching and he did, a, I mean, he, he had a whole, I have a whole article about him on my website, but he basically discovered that, and he first thought you can only help myopia, which is nearsightedness. So he thought like, he realized there's a strain there's an effort that people make when they look in the distance. And so he was helping his students at Columbia. He had a free clinic eventually. He worked with school children. He, I mean, he had a lot of experience. And eventually somebody said to him, because he had glasses, right? He was at that point in his 40s or something. They were like, well, if your method works, then it should also work with press biopia, which is called the old age side, right? When you can't read small print. And he was like, wait, yeah. And so he hired, so he had somebody help him. And he took, he said, it never took him again that long that it took himself to, to get rid of glasses. So the method is basically, when you overly simplify it, but it's basically based on how vision is as effortless and easy as all the other senses. So coming to a point of relaxation versus strain and effort. And Bates was really big, which neuroscience confirmed about the mental strain, about the mental focus. You know, that, this is what I always say, absolutely right. Your eye doctors are super important and we need eye doctors, but they really focus on this, and I, for those of you listening, I'm showing an eyeball. They're really focusing on the eyeball. They don't look at your brain, your visual cortex, the whole system, your stress, your sleep, your emotions. They don't look at all of that and all of that influences your vision. And so that's what really what, what Bates was about. He used a lot of the mental, it wasn't eye exercises. That's what everybody thinks. It wasn't like just eye exercises, rolling your eyes this way or that way. That's not what it is. I love that point you just mentioned, and you were showing the eyeball on on uh, on the the video here for the listeners that are doing audio. Um, the the eyeball, you know, we think about the the eyeball and you know the cornea, cornea retina, and different different parts. Um, but you know that eyeball is connected to the to via the nervous system to the brain, right? So that the occipital cortex and everything. So I think that's a really good point is looking at it more holistically. Like, what's that eye connected to? And you can influence, you know, via some of the neural structures and neural pathways, the, the eye function, the vision, that, that's, that's so, that's so simple yet. So brilliant, you know? Exactly. And that's what you just said, the nervous system, right? I mean, your listeners probably know the sympathetic, the fight or flight and the parasympathetic, and I'm super oversimplifying everything yet. And, you know, stress is, I always say stress is a good thing. We need stress. Otherwise we wouldn't have made it. And as well, we need that. Um, and even if we are speaking or if we are athletically performing, you know, and stress is not a bad thing, 
the chronic stress, that elevated stress where we don't come down, you know, that's what's bad. And that's what really influences your vision. And I'm sure all your listeners, maybe ask yourself, have you noticed that your vision fluctuates? Have you noticed that maybe sometimes in the day or with some tasks you see better and you see worse or after a vacation you see better? Like really notice that your vision varies for everyone, even those with perfect vision. When I'm stressed, when I'm sleep deprived, when I lead a summit and my computer dies in the middle of it, you know, I'm like, I'm in panic mode, right? My vision gets blurry at that moment because our nervous system puts us into that, you know, oh, deer in the headlight, fight or flight mode. So that's normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long does it typically take? I know that's what listeners may want to know because, you know, there's, there's at least right now we live in the age of like instant gratification and we know that, you know, good things take time and um, it doesn't sound like this is necessarily instant, but how long is it typically, you know, taking for people using a Bates method or using a holistic vision method to correct their eyesight, um, correct their, their vision issues? <laughs> That's like the one question I dislike the most, but I also know that everybody wants to know that. And it's, it's, it's you're probably not going to like the answer, but it, it depends. So I always say it really depends on your situation. How long have you had glasses? How old are you? How, what is the level of your so-called refractive error or your eye disease? And I see, I always say improvements are seen in the first session or when you first begin, you will see improvements. However, they might initially be temporary improvements. So they, you know, so you have to kind of, the method really teaches you how to see with effortless and ease, what people do with perfect vision automatically. So you kind of have to relearn to see. And sometimes it also takes, you know, counseling, like if there's trauma, adverse childhood events, you know, sometimes there's additional modalities that you need. So like I said, it's not just eye exercises. My students always said, oh, I thought it was just about eyesight improvement. And now I realize it's about my life vision, how I see myself, how I see the world, my, my insights, my, like all, it's like this really big picture of everything, not just, you know, again, the eyeball. And, and spiritual, right? I think it yeah. was, uh, I forget who, the eyes are the windows to the soul, right? Mm -hmm. That whole, that whole quote. Um, it reminds me of functional medicine. I mean, this is very much a root cause type of perspective. And in functional medicine, as you probably know, it's personalized too. It's, you know, how long has this person had this issue? What are the root causes? Are those causes easier or less easy to be reversed? And, you know, there's many other things that probably affected the autonomic nervous system, nutrition and things. Um, what vision issues is Bates or, you know, the vision kind of method you teach your clients most helpful for? I really say it's helpful for every, everything, really. I mean, that sounds, you know, overly, you know, confident, but it really is because what I teach, like you talked about the nervous system, we talk about neuroscience, about anatomy of the eyes. So the Bates method is really based on using your eyes the way they're designed to be used and also differentiate between your eyes and your, your seeing, you know, where the light hits the, the cornea, the lens, the retina, and then how that information gets transported at super fast speed to your little cortex and where you actually see, where we perceive. And our vision is influenced by memories, by experiences, by, you know, assumptions. You know, I don't know if you guys remember that dress. Remember that a few years ago, we had that dress that was white, gold, and some people, it was blue and, blue and um, black, but some people saw it white, gold because it was a pretty tight crop and people were like, is this taken at night? Is it taken at daytime? Is it taken in a shadow? Or maybe you've seen visual illusions, right? Where yeah, something is, yeah. and, and that's an example that the brain is just trying to make a guess what I'm seeing. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's take a deep dive into root causes now. Why do we have worsening vision? Is it getting worse over time? I feel like we're in the internet and now the Zoom age, you know, we're always on screens or a lot of us are on screens. Um, what are your thoughts about why we have worsening vision? So you're absolutely right. There is that, you know, here's the thing. Our eyes are totally fine at the near point, but we are not ever, we were not ever designed to look at hours for hours at something up close. When, you know, and I love uh, Huberman, Andrew Huberman, professor of ophthalmology and neuroscience at Stanford. He has a great podcast. And he talked about how our system is designed to look up close for like about three minutes. That's how long we can mentally focus. And not just because internet and Instagram and all these things, but because I guess when you think about survival, we're doing near work or maybe doing, and then at some point you have to look up, are there any like predators? Are there, did my friends leave the camp and leave me behind? Like, you, you know, you kind of have to check your surroundings. So. It makes sense, but now we are glued to these screens for hours. And here's the thing too, bad habits like staring, not blinking. They did studies where they found that people looking at screens don't blink enough. And, um, and then also the other big topic is light. Studies found that children that play two or more hours outside every day have way lower rates of nearsightedness than those that are like, you know, the bookworms and they study and they like the books and often probably get rewarded for being such a good student versus the tomboys that just cause trouble, right? <laughs> if that makes sense, you know? If I look away from the screen periodically, I'm not looking away from you. I'm looking towards the environment to protect my vision. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and then uh, the other thing is going to be um, all the tablets that we have, the screens, you know, the laptop, the cell phones. And I think what I've seen just in my own life, but also with with patients, with friends, with family, is that these screens are becoming increasingly encroaching on our lives, you know, like ever we go, there's like a cell phone in the pocket, right? So, so how, like how much screen time should we ideally have? I mean, if it's realistic, you know, if, ideally. I don't know if I could say what's realistic. I think it's important to use super good habits you know, to, you know, blinking again is one of those simple things. Hmm. And also open your peripheral vision because we are kind of drawn to these devices and you want to have your environment be as bright as the screen. So my, when my daughters were teenagers, they would sit in a dark room with just the computer on and that focuses is even more strained on that central vision and that peripheral field is kind of completely blacked out because there's nothing, you know, yeah, um, that's one thing I would say. And then screens are hard on the eyes per se, because, you know, we look at each other now, like, but it's a fake 3D, right? I know there's a room behind you and, but it's, it's flat, but at the same time, again, it's confusing for the brain versus an actual printed book, for instance, or, you know, that's a three-dimensional thing where the brain knows this is like so and so many inches away from, you know, there's like a, a sense of depth. You know, that's that's much. I, I like real books much better than Kindle for sure. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think newspapers, right? Newspapers are kind of struggling nowadays. A lot of times, they're they're kind of doing uh, print. Print is uh, still the thing, I think, for a lot of people. Um, how about blue blocking glasses? What, where, where are you on blue blocking glasses before we get to some of the other issues? Great question. So you know, and you probably teach this too. I think blue light is super important for us, for our circadian rhythm. I think it's super important to get like bright light, blue light right into your eyes in the morning to be energized and not get that in the evening, like three hours before bedtime. So I am a big believer in natural light. However, screens have a lot of blue and green, but they don't have like the this full spectrum, like the, the beautiful natural light or sunlight has. So 
I use blue blocking software on my screens. Um, and I have that on pretty much all day. And, you know, if you have Apple devices, I mean, not promoting a brand here, but it's called night shift mode and I have it on all day and you can decide how orange or how yellow you want it so that I don't get the extra blue light from the screens, but I still get the natural light, you know, to be, help me energize. So I use blue blockers only, blue blocking glasses, and they can be amber colored or they can be, uh, I have a brand, a brand that I use that doesn't have much of a tint. I use that for TV in the evening because my TV is like an older monitor and there's no you know, way to stop the blue light. So that's, that's what the only time I use the actual glasses. Mm -hmm. Great. So um, I'm going to put on my glasses here. I have this handily ready for me. <laughs> so I, what I did was I, I, about five or six years ago, I stopped wearing contacts regularly and I went to my eye doctor and every year my vision has improved slightly, although I want to, I want to definitely chat more with you. Um, Cause I think I'm starting to get presbyopia, but um, I've noticed that, you know, and I asked them, I said, why is my eye, why are my eyes getting better? And, and um, is it because, you know, I used to wear contacts and that's, that's limiting that oxygen supply to the eye. Where are you on like contacts versus, I know some people have to wear them, but where are you on contacts versus glasses? And, and also, is it possible to limit the glasses? If you limit the glasses, is that going to help your vision by not wearing the glasses if it's safe? So absolutely. And that's a big part of my method that we get uh, out into weaker glasses. So one thing I want to say at the very beginning, um, and we talked about that before we began the recording, diopters correct you only for a certain distance. It's a measurement related to distance. So when you are nearsighted, right, you said you were wearing your contacts, you are usually corrected for like 20 feet, six meter distance vision, right? But now let's say you're spending all day long at the computer, which is not 20 feet, but two feet away, you would need way lower diopters for that. And that's why that's the kind of the danger with contacts is that people that put them in and then they wear them all day long and not using the different, you know, ideal strength that you need for that distance. So that's one thing. The oxygen, I honestly don't know that much about the oxygen supply. I think the benefit of contacts is that you have a bigger peripheral field that you just you know, and, and everybody's peripheral vision is blurry. Like we don't have clear vision in the periphery. We don't see colors at the outer edges, but with glasses, there's even more of a tendency to have that kind of a tunnel vision effect. So, you know, I have very few clients that use contacts, but they need them for certain things or for appearances. And in that case, I say, you know, whatever you do most of the day, let's say you're on your computer, let's say you're near side and you're on your computer all day long. Then I would wear contacts that are just for the computer distance, right? So you would use, and then for driving, you can always put an additional minus, you know, diopter, whatever, as, as glasses on for driving. Um, so that yeah. would be my advice, basically, um, for somebody who's nearsighted. Great. Well, let's pivot now from, um, let's shift our vision, so to speak, or focus <laughs> from uh, root causes of, of worsening vision now to how to support wellness? How, what are some of the key components for healthy vision and what can we do to support these areas? So if you don't mind, let's start with relaxation of the mind and eyes. These are some of the things, maybe some of the components you have in your program. Um, how do we, how do we help relax the mind and the eyes and how does that help our vision? So, yes. Yeah, so I use uh, different, two different approaches. I use what's called top down which is really starting with the mind and then relaxing the body. And something we do um, is called palming. And palming is something that Dr. Bates was really big on. And it's basically resting your eyes. When you think about the rest of your mind or your body, you need rest. You can't just keep going, 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 going. 
And we, we just use our eyes from the moment we wake up to the second we close them at night. And palming is just, you close your eyes and you can, you know, you basically, you can rub your hands together, but you basically cup, cover your closed eyes with cupped hands and your, your fingers are crossing over the forehead so that you can breathe. The heels of the hands are resting on your kind of cheekbones. And then you want to support your elbows so that you can really relax, drop your shoulders. And then you want to bring your mind. Now, you don't want to like think about your shopping list or your to-do list. So bring your mind to a happy place. Somewhere where you're like, oh, yeah. Could be a real memory, a real place, a real person. Doesn't matter what it is, but something that's easy, effortless, and makes you just feel so good. And then you take a few deep breaths and you remind yourself, your eyes, I have nothing to see. I have nothing to do. I can completely relax. And you want to relax your jaw. If your eyes, like feel your eyes get heavy, relax your shoulders. That's why an elbow rest is really helpful here. And you can stay, this is something you can do for, you know, I've done this for 30 minutes or longer, or you can just do it for a couple of deep breaths. And if you wanna come out, you keep your eyes closed, slowly move your hands away, and you might notice how much light already comes into your eyelids. And then I always say, wait till you're ready, right? Wait till you're ready to kind of come back to planet Earth. And then you blink your eyes open, and I do five quick blinks, blink, 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 and five gentle squeezes. And your eyes should feel a little bit more lubricated and renewed and refreshed. So, and, and palming is both a rest for the eyes and it's also a kind of a reset for your mind to kind of calm down, slow down, take that little pause. And then you, I don't know about you, do you feel a little bit more relaxed or are your I eyes- I feel are much more relaxed. My shoulders feel like they've dropped. I have more mm -hmm. lubrication. Yeah, just calmer overall. Yeah, and that wasn't very long. I mean, we did it yeah. pretty short and so- yeah. So that, and then another way I do this is I don't have them here right now, but I'm also trained in the myofascial release uh, technique. And so I'm using, um, because tension in the body, especially the shoulders, head, neck, and all the facial muscles do contribute to blurry vision. And most people, when they're in that stress mode all the time, they do something called chest breathing. So they, hmm. they're breathing up here and that ends up creating a lot of tension in your chest and your upper back, you know, your shoulders. So I use a lot of physical body work that people can do themselves instead of hiring an expensive massage therapist to kind of release that tension. So it's both, that that's what I call the bottom up. It's like working with the body. And then at the, so for most people, the body work is usually a little easier to initially understand. Oh yeah, I feel this. I can turn my head. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, but, uh, and the palming is usually also a good way to kind of explore that, you know, Yes, yes. I definitely felt a difference after just a few minutes of that. Um, how often do you recommend people do palming during the day? See, you're asking all the great questions. So I have some clients that say, tell me the exact protocol, like how many minutes <laughs> often? And I always say, I, because I feel like this is your vision, this is your journey. You need to be curious about your own vision. And some people benefit more, especially if you have an eye disease or if you have, like, if you have a lot of strain, better from like, you know, in the morning, I always like a clear morning ritual and then maybe in the evening and maybe do like five to 10 minutes or even longer. And other people that feel like a lot of strain the whole day, maybe just do this like for a minute or two, five times a day. So, so you kind of have to see like, 
what gives you the biggest results? Because I tell you, if you can get the same result in two minutes that you could get in 10 minutes, then why do it for 10 minutes, right? So kind of, but everybody's different. I give you an example. When I did my teacher training and I first learned this, I was still working as a designer. And uh, in the morning, it would take me like three, four minutes and my eyes felt fresh and lubricated and ready for the day. And in the evening, because I didn't know how to use screens well, I was like staring, you know, bad habits initially. It took me like 30 minutes for my eyes to feel the same relaxation that they felt in the morning after like two or three minutes. So yeah, you found out by testing it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try this uh, multiple times a day. I feel like, you know, especially because I'm on screens a lot, and I know a lot of our listeners are as well, you know, a lot of us have more sedentary jobs or that we're on the computer, especially nowadays, you know, a lot of people are teleworking and everything. They're in that same position. So their shoulders are going to get tense, their eyes are going to get a bit, you know, tense staring at that narrow, narrow tunnel vision, that screen, right? So, right. Um, yeah, um, I, I wanted to... Um, kind of go to some cases if you didn't mind like maybe some success stories with clients because I think people don't you know until listening to this podcast probably uh, <laughs> may not really even know that there's hope out there to to you know correct their vision or you know get it better in any way yeah I, I have so many I'm trying to yeah. think once so um so I had, I had a student who was nearsighted and not I think she was like a minus two or something it wasn't like super high level but it was enough to affect her life. She had worn glasses all her life since she was seven years old, I think, or second grade or something like that. And that was probably seven years old. Yeah. And so she did my program. She was in her sixties when she did my program and she wore progressive glasses at that point. And she hasn't been wearing glasses ever since she did the program. So she was able to first stop wearing glasses for any near vision tasks. And then eventually also for, for far vision and she doesn't need them for driving anymore. And for driving, you need to get a clean driver's license. You need to pass the test. So that's an example. Um, she's also very holistically oriented. We didn't talk about earlier, like but sleep, good nutrition, all these things make a, make a difference, especially when you get older. Um, and then I had a student who was in her 70s who um, started with readers, very typical in her 40s, and was already in really strong progressive classes as well. And her near vision was about plus 575. And her far vision was like about 275. So that, that was all in one pair of glasses for the progressives. And she's, she's done my program and she's also working with me in a, in a smaller group coaching program. And we just had a session this morning and she says, I'm using now 175s for reading. And if it's like really dim, you know, maybe I go like 225s or something like that. So she dropped like, she, and she's in her 70s. So she dropped a lot, right? But she's still... She can do far vision now without glasses. And sometimes at night, she still puts some glasses on. But basically, and she's in really cheap readers now. She's not in like $800 progressive glasses anymore, but really drugs, like dollar store readers that you can, you know. Yeah. One more, maybe one more, because maybe just in case you had LASIK, if some of you had LASIK. So LASIK doesn't last. It's a cut into your cornea. You can't reverse it. And I had a, a, a translator who had LASIK. She was just, I think she was 50 or in her early 50s. And her, her distance vision had declined, so she already needed them for driving. And her near vision had also declined. And as a translator, it made a difference because she couldn't see Microsoft Word documents reduced anymore. She had to blow them up, meaning she had to switch from language, one language, then the other. And, and after working with me, and she had insomnia, and she needed prescription eye drops, which is a common side effect of LASIK, is really dry eyes. So after working with me, doing the palming, doing the blinking, and some other strategies, she got rid of her insomnia. She's now sleeping five hours before it was two or three because of the relaxation. 
and she could see the documents at 70% uh, side by side again. And that was despite having had LASIK done. So great, great stories. I think that gives people hope and there's a, you know, real people that have had success, even, even like later in life, you know, mm-hmm. they don't have to be like teenagers or something, you know, right, right. Um, but that, that's so great. Thank you so much, Claudia. Um, let's go back to the sleep and nutrition. Cause we're all about lifestyle here too, in our right. clinic. And I think, you know, holistic community overall, how important are sleep and nutrition with healthy vision and what are your general recommendations there? Okay. So, so sleep, I mean, you know, sleep is the foundation of everything. When you're sleep deprived, I mean, nothing works properly, including your eyesight and just know, that's why I say, notice how your vision varies. Like, how is it different if you didn't sleep much or if you are stressed so sleep is super important i you know i think everybody varies a little bit i do need my eight hours i have an i actually don't have it's on my charter now but i have an aura ring here usually i just got one too yep oh, yeah. no i have one it's like i was i wanted to show it and then i realized i just almost showed my middle finger but it was basically that that ring right here yeah it's charging there you go yeah um so i can kind of track my sleep and and my how much rest do i get and and overall so Sleep is super important. Um, hydration is super important. Like lots of water here, clean filtered water, and nutrition. You know, I I am studying nutrition. I'm not a nutrition expert, and sometimes I bring in experts into my courses who teach certain lessons. But I started balancing my blood sugar about four years ago. That made a huge difference um, in terms of like I just have several people that get migraines. I used to get really bad migraines, and that affects your vision. And ever since I balanced my blood sugar, that's completely gone. I haven't had a migraine in since four years since I started doing that. So I do talk about those things and I teach those things, uh, but I'm not like, that's not the main focus, but I can advise people on that. And if they really need more guidance, I usually send them to some a practitioner like yourself to help them sort those things out. Great. Yeah. Blood sugar is a great uh, point because we know that too little is bad, too much is bad mm-hmm. for the system mm-hmm. cause inflammation, including probably of the nerves. That's why people with exactly. diabetes get diabetic neuropathy and things like that. And yeah, that's the retinopathy, you know, right. That's the leading cause of blindness is diabetes. Yeah. And people don't think about the eyes, you know, it's yeah. But I wonder even up they've done studies on this, that not even people with diabetes, but people with sort of blood sugar excursions, blood sugar fluctuations, they right. don't frank diabetes, but are they getting some micro damage to those nerves Absolutely. over time? That's what, you know, eye doctors often find diseases, you know, even Lyme disease or other diseases in the eyes hmm. first, and not just vision and eye diseases, you know, oftentimes the eyes are kind of the only part of the body where we can look inside without surgery. And so you can see you know, the little capillaries, any kind of damage, any kind of inflammation, any blockages, you know, you can see that in the eyes often before you can see it in a blood test or in a regular, you know, whatever other tests you do. So yeah, yeah. that's great. Now, now, when I was little, um, the people told me, you know, don't look directly at the sun, you know, it's like bad for you, it's going to cause eye problems. Um, there's a concept that um, would love to learn. We'd love to learn uh, about from you called sunning. What is sunning your eyes and why is sunlight so important for your eyes? So sunning, okay, sunning the way I teach it. And there's, I teach different levels, but the basic, first of all, it's important to reduce your light sensitivity because I was so light sensitive. I put my sunglasses on even on an overcast day. I have green eyes. And yes, there is definitely a correlation. If you have dark brown eyes, you know, you, you're probably less light sensitive, but Anybody, especially with nearsightedness and astigmatism, if you are light sensitive, your eyes are the organs of light perception. So if they cannot tolerate light, how can you see well, right? It makes total sense. 
So sunning is something where we begin and we do it all with eyes closed in the beginning. And if you're very light sensitive, you start in the early morning sun or the late evening and you, you have your eyes closed and you just turn your head side to side facing the sun. And I know there's no sun right now if you're watching this, but basically the moment like this, I would be in the shadow now. And so your pupils, your, your little pupils that you have, they're basically little mini built-in sunglasses, right? Pupils get really tiny and bright light and they open up in the darkness. And so behind the closed eyelids, I mean, it's not a lot, but the pupils are kind of making little tiny adjustments in terms of the brightness level. And so you're training your pupillary reaction. You're reducing your light sensitivity. It's also a great way to stretch your neck and we get vitamin D from the sun. So, and then eventually there's different layers where you then begin to open the eyes on the side and eventually you can maybe blink and, and have them eyes open in the center. And I don't personally look, I, I do some sun gazing, but really only in the early morning and the early evening, uh, late evening, sorry, sunset and sunrise when I, you know, do look into the sun directly, but I also do a lot of blinking. I don't do the, the staring where you, where you don't blink. Um, but I don't wear, I haven't worn sunglasses in 20 years. And I think that's something that I recommend to all my clients, assuming they don't have certain eye conditions that I definitely, there's lots of disclaimers with the sunlight. I do want to make sure that you don't just throw them away and you might have pupillary, uh, problems, or you might be on some kind of drug, uh, that, you know, inhibits your pupillary reaction. So then, and have your pupils bite open, then please, please, please wear sunglasses or, if you go skiing or any kind of extreme conditions. So, but yeah, generally speaking for the uh, normal daily life, if you have no of those conditions or other problems, then sunglasses are really no good. Yeah, I, I agree. Even, even at the beach, I'll try to not wear sunglasses. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll wear a cap or something if exactly. needed. But that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Great. Great. That's great to know. Um, what about breathing and, and why is, I think we touched on this before at the autonomic nervous system, but mm -hmm. why is breath important for eye health and what types of breathing do you recommend? So, you know, the, the, ox, the brain needs, I think I forgot the exact, I think it's like 25% of all the oxygens and the eyes need a lot of oxygen. And in fact, the cells, you know, the, the retinal cells are the cells in the body that need more energy than every other cell in the body. So the Retinal cells, you know, the, the little, that comes back to sunlight too, the little mitochondria, the little batteries in your cells, they kind of wear out a little bit when you are like in your forties. I always talk about like a car battery. When you have an older car battery, it doesn't work as well. So the, they've done studies and found that infrared and near infrared light actually helps rejuvenate the mitochondria. So that's why natural light is also good. If you're younger than 40, 45, probably won't make that much of a difference. But coming back to the breath, so you do want, you know, when you take those shallow breaths up here, you don't get enough oxygen into your brain. And so, and it keeps you in that arousal in that sympathetic state versus the belly breathing is what keeps, when you belly breathe, your, your system knows, hey, I'm safe, I can relax. You know, there's nothing scary going on. So that's why it's, it's really important to practice the belly breath. And I didn't know that until I studied yoga. Like my chiropractor told me, practice the belly breath. And like, I'm like, how, like, I really didn't know how, and it's kind of like thinking of your belly, like, like inflating a little bit as you breathe. And obviously it's a diaphragm, right? You breathe into the lungs, they're in the rib cage, but your diaphragm, when you exhale, is kind of like a dome tent. And when you, when you inhale, it goes down. And obviously if you, if you have tight abs or you squeeze your abs or you hold your abs tight, 
it can only go up here, right? Versus the organs, the, the belly should expand a little bit. And I think we have all kind of have these, oh my God, my belly looks fat or whatever. And we kind of, I was taught to kind of suck my belly in and that really limits your ability to breathe. So I, I teach a lot of breath practices to, to yeah, to make yeah. a long short. <laughs> yeah, and my, my understanding is the bottom third of the lungs, you can get 50% more oxygen there. So it's really yes. more breathing, uh, more juice to the mitochondria, to the batteries, more juice to the retina. You can see better. Exactly. Like you said, the retinal cells are, are really consuming a, a lot of oxygen. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that we, we don't really, we think about, okay, we're going to get more oxygen for the bloodstream. It'll make our heart pump more or something, or we'll get more oxygen or muscles so we can, you know, perform better athletically or in sports or, or whatnot. But we don't, at least I haven't really thought about, you know, eye health for oxygen too much. I mean, it's very intuitive, but um, what, what are your thoughts on, on red light therapy as a, uh, I, you're in, you're in the, uh, you're in California, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very sunny state. Um, and, um, some, some areas of the country or the world, you know, maybe they're not getting as much sun all the time. Um, what are your thoughts about things like red light therapy that have near infrared light to activate the mitochondria? I, I like it. I mean, I'm not an expert in red light therapy by any means, but I actually have a little infrared, like one of those lamps and I get up before the sun rises. So I actually do like three minutes of the red light in the morning and also turn my lights bright on so that I get, that I awaken. Um, but yeah, I don't know that much about like saunas or, but it's definitely been proven in several studies now out of the UK that the infrared light, you know, that it studies in mice and then men, <laughs> mice and men, and obviously women. I think it was actually just men in this case. I don't know. Uh, there needs to be study, more studies on women across the board. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a big issue. With <laughs> but basically um, my point issue, was that, yeah, you know, perhaps. this has been helping, it's been proven to be successful. Yeah. Helpful. Um, yeah. Great, great. Um, any other comments about, you know, what are the most important things to, you know, support healthy vision that, that we didn't cover so far? I think like what's really important, like shifting your focus. And also this is a big piece of the Bates method is what he called central fixation. The understanding that wherever you look, assuming you have a healthy eye is where you see best. And you have this big peripheral field, but a tendency if you have poor vision is to kind of, like say, try to see the whole screen at once. When in reality, I can even, even if I look at your right eye, I cannot see the left eye as good or your, the rest of you, you know? So, and so basically the quicker your eye movements are the little saccadic eye movements, the more you shift your focus, the more clarity you have, because, you know, it's like thinking of little snapshots that your eyes make versus, again, we have the panorama picture from the peripheral field, but we don't have clear vision in the periphery. And um, so that's a big piece that people have to like often learn again, is that something, somebody with good vision automatically, that would be like, of course, when I look at that point, I see that better than the point dot next to that, you know, and it's even could be like one millimeter apart and you still see it better because the phobia where we see the best, where we have the best vision is very, very small. And it takes in 50% of the feed from the, from the 50% of your visual information comes to that little tiny dot um, and that's why mental focus is also connected to visual focus because like you're literally scatterbrained if you try to like t see all these things clear at once, which is anatomically impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great. Uh, central Centralization, correct? Yeah, yeah. Got it. Thank you so much, Claudia. Well, thank you for all these tips. And um, I know a lot of listeners are going to want to sign up uh, for your 
program. Uh, let's talk first about some fun questions. Um, if you don't mind, some questions we ask all our guests. Uh, first of all, do you have a morning routine? And if you don't mind sharing that. Yeah, I do have a morning routine and I call it my clear morning ritual. And it starts with stretching and yawning, like really like, you know, yawning actually stretches your masseter, you know, uh, that's one thing I do. And then I also say positive things to myself. I'm, I love myself. Or I love you. And it's a great day. Um, you know, so like really start your day with like positive mindset and excitement and joy. And I can't give the whole thing away because it's part of my program, but I have a few little vision routines that I do. And then I do at my meditate and I do some palming. I have a little device that a colleague of mine makes. They're called palming sticks. It's basically a rest for your elbows. So I'm, uh, I'm palming while I'm meditating and I do the infrared light before. So I do the little bit of infrared light. Again, if it was sunny already, if I would get up later, I would just go outside. Um, but yeah, yeah. So those are the things. And I do a little bit of my, my roll and relax, my little like massage of my, you know, I kind of check in my usual trigger points. And if those are all good, then I just look, maybe I roll up my feet or I do something else like that. So we, we brush our teeth every day in the morning. We should probably also care for our eyes in the morning. It sounds like that program is really comprehensive and looking forward <laughs> to learning more. Uh, what book or podcast are you enjoying the most right now? And what is it about and why do you enjoy that? Ooh, um, that's a hard question. I, like I said earlier, I, lo I love Dr. Andrew Huberman's podcast. It's, it's, the episodes are really long and it's a lot of information and I usually listen at the beach, but it's like, I love that he's a professor of ophthalmology and neuroscience and that a lot of the things, he had a whole episode on vision and everything I'm teaching, he was like, yeah, you should do this. I'm like, oh my God, that's exciting. Um, so I like that. I'm a kind of a science geek. I really like listening to that. And I also like Darren Oleen's, um, he has a podcast and every other episode is called Fatal Conveniences. And he talks about sunglasses. He talks about like, you know, Ziploc bags or, or I don't know, like scented candles, but all these things that we have kind of taken as part of our modern life that are toxic and can actually cause us harm. So that one is like, because he always has a solution too. It's like, not just, okay, this is bad but here's the solution. So that's- Oh, that's I'm, great. Yeah, I want yeah. to check both of those out. Thank you. And I think you're a very amazing uh, person, joyful person. What do you do every day to cultivate joy? To do what? To, to, to cultivate joy. Uh, you, you are, I, yeah, I can tell from your eyes, you're a very joyous person, you know, so. Well, <laughs> it's definitely not always easy, but I remind myself of, first of all, I love what I do. I'm lucky. I used, again, I used to work in design and advertising and in my twenties, I loved that job too. And then I didn't like it so much anymore. And I, I, I love what I do. So that already makes me happy. And I go outside a lot. I like my garden. I grow some veggies. It's been a little bit, not as much as I would like to do to my being so busy, but I, I love going out there and planting stuff and then seeing it grow. And it, just being outside is my favorite thing. Yeah. Connecting with nature. Totally mm -hmm. agree. And thank you so much again, Claudia, for coming on today. We really appreciate you coming on. I know a lot of listeners are going to find a lot of value in this. How can people learn more about you and work with you and your vision program? So you can go to my, my website, myholisticvision.com. To be honest, I haven't put uh, all my programs on that. In fact, there's no program on that at this point, but you can download a free gift called 10 Habits for Healthy, Happy Eyes that gives you some basics. I talk about sunning and palming. So that's a way to get started. And if you want to actually build your own clear morning ritual and do that, I have a, a program called 21 Days to Better Eyesight Experience. 
And I know this is an evergreen podcast, but we're launching, we're running this pretty much every month. Um, so March 7th is the next group it's starting. And, um, and then I have other programs too, but basically you can find, reach out to me on my website. There's an email or my Instagram is, I'm pretty, I'm working a lot more on my Instagram, which is really fun. That's another thing I actually enjoy Instagram. Nice. So uh, Holistic Vision Coach is my Instagram handle, Holistic Vision Coach. Holistic Vision Coach, got it for Instagram. That's great to check that out. So, so if people want to work with you, they could contact you via that email on the website. Yeah, they can do that. I also have a YouTube channel. I go live every Wednesday called Clear Vision Wednesday. Um, so they can join. That's free. You can, they can join my Clear Vision Wednesday. Follow me on YouTube. Um, yeah, but that's basically how you can work with me. And yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> great. Well, here's to healthy vision, clear vision for all. Thank you so much, Claudia, for coming on today. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast to reach more listeners. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us.